Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, let's take our Bibles here tonight. And let's start out here in the book of Proverbs in chapter 5. We're going to talk tonight about 16 qualities that make for a great marriage. If you're here tonight and you're married, I hope you want to have a great marriage. I do. That is the desire of my heart, is to love my wife as Christ loves the church and for her to honor and reverence me as her husband and that we would have a great Marriage, one that would please the Lord. Now here's what I want to tell you tonight. We don't have a lot of folks here tonight. Looks like quite a few stayed home this evening. But let me say this. These qualities that I'm going to share with you here this evening, and we're going to do it by the way of looking at the scripture and then asking three, four, maybe even five questions per scripture. And what you're going to see tonight is this not only applies to the marital relationship, Many of these principles can apply to our friendships, it can apply to our relationship with our children, or really any relationship that we have. And so there's many ways to apply what we're going to be learning here tonight by way of me asking a question and then you answering that question in your heart. Here in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15, It says, drink waters out of thine own cistern, talking about the husband and wife relationship, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountains be blessed. And what's the next word? Rejoice. With the wife of thy youth. God wants us to have a fulfilling marriage. And he wants us to have great joy in that marital relationship. Now go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9. This is a verse I used the other night when we hosted the young couples at our house. We had, I think, more young couples at our house that night than we have in church tonight. Our house was packed out. Uh, with the young couples that we have here in our fellowship and what a blessing it was to be with them and I challenged them with this verse and I just simply started out by saying listen marriage is hard work if you want to have a joyful growing satisfying fulfilling relationship it takes a lot of work and here in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9 notice what Solomon says live what joyfully Live joyfully with the wife, with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of vanity. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the principles of scripture that we will look at tonight. Uh, That Father, really lay out before us the qualities that we need to have to have a good marriage, to have a good relationship with with others, a growing relationship with our children, with our church family, with those that we work with and come in contact with. And 
So, Lord, help us to be all that we need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me come down here and we will get started here this evening. So we've got a couple passages of Scripture that apply to marriage here. And he said, For this cause shall the man leave his father and mother and shall cleave. Does anyone remember what that word cleave meant? We talked about that word when we looked at the divorce and remarriage issue. What did it mean? What did cleave mean? It mean to be welded. Okay? To be welded or permanently glued together. And, she, and shall cleave to his wife, and the twain shall be what? One flesh. Not only does God want us to be of one flesh, that happens in the marital relationship. But God also wants us to be of one spirit. He wants us to have what I call a oneness of spirit in our relationship. Now, sometimes it's difficult to define a oneness of spirit, but you know when you don't have it. And you know when you do have it. You really, I mean, to really define it and put it into words is kind of hard, but you know when you and your wife are walking in fellowship together or you and your dear friend are in fellowship or you and your children are in fellowship and there's a oneness between you. You, you know that. And then you know when you lose it. I would say this, if we lose it, let's get it back just as quickly as possible. Amen? So that bitterness does not grow there in the relationship and in whatever relationship uh, that we're talking about. But uh, oneness of flesh uh, wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom, we looked at this verse last week, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to what? Desolation. And every city or house divided against, uh, against itself shall not stand. Listen, we, we cannot allow division and discord to exist within our relationships. And then Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together except they be what? Agreed. All right, let's come together. Let's have that oneness of spirit. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So how do we experience a oneness of spirit in our marriage? Well, the answer is by having these 16 qualities that we're going to look at here this evening. The first one is commitment. Listen, if you're going to have a great marriage, it has to start out with being committed to one another. Give me an amen. amen. I mean, that is the foundation of all of it. When you stand before the preacher and you give your vows, what do you commit yourself to? To stay married until what? Death. Death do us part. You make that commitment before God and before man. And so that needs to be there in a relationship. Look what it says here in Romans chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 3. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. This is God's moral law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by law to her husband so long as he liveth. 
But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband, so that if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, from that moral law of God, the law of marriage, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Is this commitment very clear in this passage of Scripture? Very, very clear. No argument here. God wants us to be committed to our marriages. So let's ask ourselves a few questions here to really see if we are as committed in our relationship as God would have us to be, remembering that this is the foundation of all the rest of them. I am committed to stay married regardless of my what? Feelings. Not always do you feel like being married. Right? Yes or no? That's just the truth. But I am committed to stay married regardless of my feelings or other circumstances until separated by death. You need to answer that for yourself. If you're going to have a great marriage, you better answer it yes. Next. Does my spouse know that I will never leave them? Next to my relationship with God is my relationship with my spouse my highest priority in life. One of the reasons that we don't have great marriages is because that priority is not there. Remember, having a great marriage takes work. Let's go to the next one, last one there. <clears throat> Do I faithfully pray for my spouse? Are you committed to faithfully praying for your spouse? It's pretty hard not to be committed to someone that you're faithful in praying for. Let's go to the next one. Serving. We have commitment and now we have serving. <clears throat> and whosoever of you will be the chief shall be the, the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So in our relationships, we need to have a servant spirit. How can I minister to my husband? How can I minister to my wife? How can I minister to my parents? How can I minister to my children? How can we minister to one another? Are you with me? All right. That really leads to having a oneness of spirit when you have a ministry mindset. Not looking to how you can be served, but how you can serve. Let me say something else here as we're going through this tonight. Don't look at this from your husband or wife's or children's perspective. Look at this from your own, okay? Don't be looking at these questions and passing judgment on others, but look within and pass judgment upon yourself. Do I put my spouse's needs and desires ahead of my own? Pretty much we're pretty selfish people, don't you think? Do I look for creative ways to please my spouse? What can I do today to please my husband, to please my wife? Am I content to serve? Ooh, this is a tough one. Am I content to serve even when my spouse doesn't seem to notice or appreciate my efforts? 
Do I seek to help my spouse, especially when I am tired, sick, and under pressure? Let's talk now about yielding rights. Is this another tough one to do? Does anyone want to get honest here tonight? Is this another tough one to do? This maybe is the hardest one of all of them here, is the yielding of our personal rights. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you. This mind of yielding his rights, even though it meant going to the cross for you and me. Okay, guys, I'm frozen. Thank you. Here we go with the questions. Have I yielded all my expectations concerning my spouse to the Lord? So if you have all these expectations of what your wife should be or what your husband should be or what he should do or what she should do, they're not always going to fulfill your expectations. So then you're going to become extremely disappointed. So you have to yield your rights to those expectations that you have of one another. Do I trust God alone? Not looking to your husband and wife but looking to God alone to meet all of your needs, whether they're physical, emotional, or your spiritual needs. Can you find the fulfillment of those in the Lord? Have I yielded to God my right to my own time? That's tough. That has to be one of the hardest things for mom with a lot of kids. The demand upon your time. Have I yielded to God my right to my own time, to fulfillment of my personal desires and possessions and independence? Hmm. How do I respond when I feel my rights have been violated? Do I get angry? Do I get impatient? Do I turn bitter and develop an unforgiving spirit? You see how all of these things damage a relationship. Let's talk about forgiveness. Boy, do we need to have that in our relationships. Colossians 3.13 Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, what? So also do ye having that unconditional forgiveness in our relationships. Here we go. Do you seek to resolve each conflict or misunderstanding as soon as possible? Remember, when you lose that oneness of spirit, get it back just as quickly as you can. Don't sit on it. Don't stew on it. Don't go to bed what? Angry. Don't go to bed angry. Resolve that conflict or misunderstanding just as quickly as you possibly can. Am I willing to forgive and forget past failures 
and not hold it against them. Don't remind each other. Well, you did that. Just let it go. Aren't you glad God doesn't bring it up? Am I quick to say, say this with me, ready? I was wrong, will you please forgive me? Are you quick to say that? Forgiveness. Let's go to the next one. Humility. You've heard me say this many times, the pride of life runs deeply in all of our hearts. Let nothing be done through strife. How many have ever had a little bit of strife in their relationships? Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, fulfillment of your own desire, but in lowliness, that humility, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Now, wouldn't this make a great marriage if we always did this? Wouldn't this make a great relationship with our friends, with our family, with uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, with our children, if we just did this all the time. I'm going to read it again. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. The humility that we need to have in relationships. So here we go with the questions. Do I take the first step in reconciliation? And you can tell that there's a division there, where there's an offense there, where a little bit of bitterness is creeping in. Are you the first one to step up to the plate and try to resolve that and not let it go on and on and on? Next, am I quick to admit my failures? Am I content to not have the last word? Am I willing to relinquish my right to be understood? Do I always have to prove my point? Remember, in a relationship, it's not debate class. Do I always have to prove my point to be right in every situation or argument? Do I manipulate my spouse to get my own way? I wish all of you could be up here looking at your faces out there tonight. There is such a serious, till right now, you cracked a smile right there, but there's such a serious look on your face and such quietness in the auditorium. These, these questions are very pointed, aren't they? And I'm going to be honest with you, they're very convicting. Let me say something else. I've been having to deal with these a lot longer than you have. Leadership. Here we're going to talk about the husband's leadership. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Husbands, 
love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Leadership. For the men. Do I have a personal devotional life? Or do you just rely on the services at the church? Do you have a prayer life? Men, are you in the word every day? And are you praying? Are you faithful in attending your local church? When I put this one up there, I thought this should be taught on a Sunday morning. Because all of you here are so very faithful. Do I seek the Lord in decisions that I have to make? <laughs> Shelly, this morning I, I came out of my office. I said, so funny because all the pastors are texting back and forth. Or, Should we cancel? Should we not cancel? What's the weather like? What's it going to be like tonight? Is, you know, is it going to be slippery on the way home? And we're all just texting back and forth. And I guess everybody was waiting for someone else to say I'm canceling so they didn't feel bad about canceling or whatever. And Shelly came out and said, it's funny, the pastors are just kicking this thing around. Should we cancel service tonight? She goes, well, did any of you pray about it? Oh. <laughs> Why pray about it when you have texting? I mean, you know. <laughs> Am I a spiritual example to be followed? This is so very important in relationship. Do I possess, possess the qualities of a spiritual man? You see how we need to have the... If we're going to have a great marriage, we've got to be great leaders. And these qualities of a spiritual man are pretty clearly spelled out in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And notice what it says here about these qualities. Now, these are qualities that a pastor has to have. But these are qualities that all men should have. We should be blameless. We should be men who are above reproach. No one can look at us and say, hey, you did this and you never made it right. We should be the husband of one wife. We, we as men should be faithful to our wives. We should be vigilant. We should be keeping a careful, watchful eye over possible dangers that could creep into our life and into our family, our church. Vigilant men. We are to be sober-minded. We are to be men of good behavior. We, we behave ourselves. We need to be given to hospitality. Our homes should always be open. We should be apt to teach. We should not be given to wine. This goes to Dan's teaching here in Sunday school about drinking. We should not be a striker. We should not be violent men. We should not be greedy of filthy lucre or materialistic. We should be patient men, not brawlers. We don't argue and fight and quarrel. We're not covetous men. 
we rule our houses well. Our children are in submission and they respect us. These are the qualities of a spiritual man. And do you see how these qualities, listen, not only make for a good husband, but make for a good father, make for a good leader. Now we come to the next one, which is the submission of the wife. And it's not a dirty word. It's a wonderful word. Actually, it's like a military term that means you, you rank underneath in support of. Because we're fighting this battle together. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The submission of a wife. Ladies, here you go. Do I willingly yield to my husband's authority in all things? Is that what the Bible says? All things. Do I communicate an attitude, not just an action of submission, but an attitude of submission as well as being submissive in your actions? You can be submissive in your actions but have a really bad attitude about it. Do I seek my husband's counsel? Do I act independently of my husband? Am I teaching our children and our grandchildren by my example and words to honor and to obey their father? Talk about patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I guess once we've reached perfection, we'll be patient. <laughs> but until then, which none of us have reached, we're all working at it. Amen? We're working at it. But to be patient, oh, how we need to have patience in our relationships. Do I respond graciously to the interruptions and irritations of my spouse? Do we ever irritate each other? Yeah. Do we ever interrupt each other? Oh, yeah. Am I willing to overlook imperfections in my spouse? Or do I express impatience and try to change them? You know, trying to change each other really doesn't work very good. Better just to accept each other the way they are and let God change us. Next, do I take time to discuss various issues and decisions with my spouse? Let's just take time. Let's have some patience here. Let's not make this decision right away. Let's just sit down. Let's really talk about this thing and let's pray about it. Make this decision together. Am I patient when my spouse is under emotional or physical pressure and stress? When they're flipping out, are you patient with them? Sensitivity. Being sensitive. 
to each other's needs and feelings. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, be sensitive to her, is under the weaker vessel, and being heirs together, be sensitive to each other of the grace of life, that your prayers be not what? Okay? If there's a bad relationship between my wife and I, are my prayers to the Lord, are they hindered? Yeah, he resists those until that's made right. <clears throat> Do I sense when there is something wrong with my spouse? Am I sensitive enough to realize that? Do I remember important days and special occasions? Now, I understand that this is very important to most women. Uh, I would say most men, it's really not that big a deal. Maybe to some it is, but to women, it really is a big deal. So don't forget those birthdays and anniversaries and those special occasions. Now that we have reminders on our phone, uh, maybe a little bit easier to remember those. Do I still court my spouse? Once you're married, do you still have a date night? Time that you can get out together. I remember when Shelly and I were young and had all these kids, and I mean, we had, we had no money. I mean, seriously, we had no money. I'll, those were hard years. 16 hard years. And I'll tell you what, we had to be creative. We couldn't afford a, a babysitter. We had to be very creative on what we could do together. Sometimes all we could do is go over to the park and get an ice cream cone. But we really tried to have that date night. It was very important. Before I speak, do I stop and think of how my words will affect my spouse. Think before you talk. Am I sensitive to my spouse's needs? Obviously our needs are different. So are we sensitive to those needs? Communication. Is that an important quality in a relationship? Hmm, we've talked about this before. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through verse 29. Wherefore, putting away lying, don't ever lie to one another. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Your closest neighbor would be your husband or wife. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, good communication, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So here we go. Is my spouse my closest friend and confidant? Could you answer that? Is closest friend and confidant? Do I always tell my spouse the truth? Oh, how lying damages relationships. Do I avoid sarcasm, hurtful remarks, public criticism, or disagreements cause a lot of embarrassment. Do I regularly compliment my spouse? 
Do I listen attentively when my spouse speaks to me? Now, this has become even harder now that we have texting. I'm serious. Stop texting, start listening. We used to say, put down the newspaper and listen to one another, or turn off the TV, but now it's the cell phone, right? That's always out there and interrupting our communication. Do I value my spouse's opinion? And do they know that I value it? Do I avoid interrupting or contradicting my spouse? No one likes to be interrupted. No one likes to be contradicted. You may want to talk about it at a later time, but not when you're engaged in communication. That will shut down communication quite quickly. Go to the next one is just being kind one to another. Ephesians 4.32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye, what? Kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be kind to each other. Do I treat my spouse as graciously as I would a guest? Hmm. How many would answer no to that? Come on. Do I go out of my way to perform special acts of kindness for my spouse? What did I do today to show kindness to Shelley? What did Shelley do today to show kindness to me? Am I well mannered? at home and in public, or do I cause my spouse embarrassment? Do I do unexpected things to show my spouse that I love them? Moral purity. We talked about this just briefly with the young couples that were at our house the other night. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Let's have moral purity. Do I keep my mind, and again, there's so many immoral traps out there today, but do I keep my mind free from books? Some of you are avid readers. Be careful what you're reading. Books, magazines, the internet, social media, or entertainment that could stimulate fantasizing or thoughts that are not morally pure. All of these can be immoral traps, right? Be very careful about that. Wives, do I dress modestly? Men, do I look down and look away when I see an immodestly dressed woman? Do I avoid suggestive humor, conversations, or behavior? Those off-colored things. Now comes gratitude. 
Proverbs chapter 31. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of what? Kindness. She's a woman full of gratitude. Her children also rise up and call her blessed. They are grateful. Her husband also, he praises her. He's grateful. We find a grateful wife. We find a grateful husband. We find grateful children here. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have our home full of gratefulness? So the question, do I regularly express appreciation for my spouse? I love you so much. Thank you for all you do. You're so awesome. Do I praise my spouse? Especially for those little things that often can go unnoticed. Do I regularly say thank you for? Thank you, thank you. Think about that. How many times have you said thank, thank you to someone today? Uh, Aaron and Beth, I think you're trying to teach your kids to be thankful, right? And so every day they have to say something they're thankful for, okay? And they were over to the house and uh, Alyssa was uh, working with them, trying to get them to think of something they could be thankful for. <laughs> Loyalty. Boy, we live in a day and age where there's not a whole lot of loyalty. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love, what? Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth. It's loyal. Love is loyal. Endureth all things. Do I speak well of my spouse to others? Do I focus on my spouse's positive traits rather than their weaknesses and failures? Remember when I told you that my wife at one time had to write down all my good qualities and then focus on those? Do I hold in confidence personal matters that my spouse shares with me? Some, some things need to be kept private. You know, it really... This generation that we're in right now, privacy just doesn't seem to matter to them anymore. They just put anything and everything out there on social media. It, 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 it really shocks me. Uh, I'm not on social media. I'm not on Facebook. Uh, I don't, I'm not on any of that stuff at all. Uh, the only thing that I do is email and I text, and that's, that's it. But the things that I hear... <laughs> just kind of set me back. Listen, there's things we just need to keep personal. Amen? It becomes very offensive and damaging if those things come out. Do I support my spouse even in times of personal failure? Yes, I've failed my wife many times. Does she still support me? Yes, she does. Acceptance. Romans 15, 7. We all need to feel 
accepted. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us. Do I love, accept, and admire my spouse? Whenever my wife sends me a card, she always puts on her card, your adoring wife. Does my spouse feel that they have the freedom to fail without fear of criticism or rejection? Do I express unconditional love for my spouse? Availability. Matthew chapter 20. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Be available. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your, what? Servant. Servants are available. Be available. Does my spouse know that they have access to me whenever they need me? Do I ensure that my spouse and I have regular times alone together? We're just available to spend time together. Am I willing to adjust my schedule to meet my spouse's needs? Am I willing to offer physical love regardless of my personal feelings or desires? Don't defraud one another. Be available. So we have, what's the first one? We have 16 of these. Ready? Let's say them together. We have commitment. Till death do us part. We have serving. Be a servant of all. We have yielding rights. Give it up. We have What kind of forgiveness? Unconditional forgiveness. We have humility in our relationships. We have spiritual leadership on the behalf of the husband, and we have submission on behalf of the wife. We have what? To be patient with one another. We have sensitivity to what? Sensitivity to what? each other's needs and desires. We have communication, open communication between us. We have acts of kindness, looking just for opportunities to be kind to each other. Just be kind to each other. We have moral purity. Uh, Remember, I've mentioned this a couple times. I think I mentioned it with the young couples and maybe a message Uh, in church prior to that. It used to be the number one reason for divorce was money issues. Uh, Second was adultery. But now the number one reason for divorce is pornography. Pornography in relationships. Uh, It's just kind of amazing. But moral purity is so important. Next one? Gratitude. Gratitude. Just be thankful. It goes a long ways in the development of a relationship. Next, be loyal. Just be loyal to one another. Next, acceptance. Accept one another without conditions. Just accept each other. We don't 
have to live up to some type of level of performance. Then be be available to one another. If you've seen some things tonight that you'd say, you know what, I really need some work in that area. You know what a great word is to apply to that? Repentance. Change it. If God has spoken to you about one or more of these things tonight, I'm sure there's some things there tonight. How many saw some things you need some improvement in your relationship? You know what we need to do? We need to repent. And then I have to throw this picture up. Oh, is that a good one to end with? Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.